Hi, my name is Nick Baudois, and I'm on a quest, yes, a quest, to discover what motivates, drives, and invigorates practitioners in the field of data science. More importantly, I'd like to take the time to unpack the term data analytics and data science. We hear these terms used interchangeably in the market and seldom sit down to ask what is meant by this nascent field with historical roots in the fields of statistics, mathematics, programming, business, design thinking, data visualization, and various domain expertise. Throughout this podcast, we'll look at the core foundations, separate the important elements from the hype, including the must-haves and the like-to-haves of the data science toolkit. We will ask the movers and shakers of the data science world about their own career trajectory. How did they get to where they are now? How do they find answers and methods to problems that are new to them? And what makes them excited to continue in this field? My hope is that both the newly acquainted and mature data scientists can gain something from this podcast. By looking at diverse journeys to become a data scientist, we can uncover what is meant to have a foothold in the functional and technical world of data expertise. In essence, we'll be discovering how to translate nerd. All right, I'm sitting here with Patrick Smith from Excel Consulting, data science and full stack engineer extraordinaire. I think I just threw engineer in there, but in my in my book, after what you've described you work on, you can put anything you want in your title. Patrick, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's jump right into it. I'm really excited to pepper you with these questions. Um, can you give me a sense of A, where you work, and B, uh, what your background in data science is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, uh, I work for Xella here in Arlington. We're kind of a soup to nuts, full stack software development company. Um, I started the data science group there about a year and a half now. Um, so we've been focusing a lot on a lot of um, deep learning, um, kind of advanced AI type technologies, research and development, and uh, implementing some client solutions. Um, so my day-to-day is a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of you know managing our group. It's a little bit of doing you know some pure mathematical research. It's a little bit of uh, hands-on development. Um, and every day is a little bit different, but um, that's that's us within the context of of Excella. Now you have a little bit of a different background. You didn't come from a, um, you didn't come from say a pure mathematical background. You didn't come from say physics. Uh, you came from the financial world. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit of a, of a mix of everything. So I um, I originally started out in quantitative finance doing. Um, kind of what has been for a long time standard in, in that realm. And that's um, analytics for things around, you know, mitigating portfolio risk and things of that nature. Um, specifically, I, I worked on um, on mortgage-backed securities, um, commercial and residential. Uh, I was doing this up in New York, and I was fortunate enough to have a boss that said, hey, um, you like some of this more advanced analytics stuff that's coming coming up. Um, why don't you check out data science? It's a new thing. I think you'd like it. Um, so I just started looking into it, and one thing led to another, and I, I ended up somehow as a data scientist, I guess. But no, um, kind of in the meantime, I've, I've uh, shored up uh, some of that background um, doing uh, coursework, uh, graduate-level coursework with uh, Stanford and Harvard, uh, mostly on the software engineering side. Um, but yeah, no, definitely different than I'd say what you're seeing a lot in the data science sphere today. I feel like when you say, you know, this new field data science, I, I always feel it's kind of like Prince, like 
data science, the artist formerly known as statistics. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, I feel like... Or, I, or, or physics or math or whatever, you know. <laughs> right, right. So I, I guess we're still kind of trying to define this at this point. All right. So you talked a little bit about your educational background, but let's go, go back further. What was your undergraduate like? Yeah, I studied... Um, International economics and statistics um, with a minor in geographic information systems. So now for something completely different. Um, I knew I liked um, understanding why things happened. I knew, I, you know, I was very uh, altruistic, I think, in coming to D.C. and wanting to change the world and going and doing all that. But I found out that really the core way that I could get to understand things and change things was through the data and through the quantitative side and understanding human behavior. It's kind of where the economics degree came from. So kind of the behavioral side of economics? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so that kind of led me into finance. And again, this is a little bit of a circuitous route, but um, it, it was really understanding why people do things, why people are enabled to do um, certain things, how data on people, populations, events can really help us, A, predict what's going to happen next, and dissect from a quantitative standpoint um, how our world works. That's very meta. <laughs> That's a, that is a very well put description of um, kind of a, why a lot of us get into data science. I feel a lot of us, it kind of started with uh, the Malcolm Gladwell books, Freakonomics, yeah. um, you know, Moneyball, sabermetrics, and like, oh my gosh, you can make a career out of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. Um, I think the first wave of data scientists that we're seeing, so people who have been doing this for the past several years, were really that type coming from those traditional statistical backgrounds, and now you're seeing this new wave of people. Um, a lot of very, very intelligent, very, very talented PhDs from the hard sciences who are like, hey. I can do this too, and I can probably do it better. So the field is moving into this like second wave of research and development, and uh, it's interesting to see where it's going. Right, I can't tell you how many people I come across who are, you know, like, you know what'd you get your doctorate in? And they're like, oh, chemistry, I'm, but I do data science, or physics, but I, I'm a data scientist. Yep. And so I feel a lot of it, it's like recovering physics people, recovering <laughs> chemists. Um, I have yet to see, in, I, yeah. I'd say I have yet to see a full-fledged data scientist who used to be a lawyer. I came close the other weekend. I mean, that would be impressive. That, that would be Not very, saying it can't be done. Be an incredible amount of student loans, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some of the other questions. Um, you, you've talked about your educational career. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I like to get into is, have you had any mentors in your data science career that you feel have been especially helpful and what do you look for in finding somebody to mentor you? And it can go the other way. It can also go to, have you found others that you're able to offer mentorship? Because that's so, so important in such a nascent field. Sure, absolutely. Um, there's two things that pop to mind. So back, yeah, I was mentioning when I was back in finance, um, my boss then uh, was absolutely essential in kind of pushing me towards the tools. And I, I, I had two levels. I had my direct boss and then I had our managing director and um, the managing director actually, he had his PhD in statistics and was an old uh, chemical bank guy. And um, both of them were really essential in saying, hey, why don't you look at giving, almost steering my work in a way that they knew would be good for this nascent data science field. 
And I can't tell you how much that meant to me and how much that has helped me in having somebody say, do this, not this, work with these tools, don't work with these tools. Let me give you the opportunity to build up your skills in this area. And in especially, especially an ASIN field like this, that is exceptionally important to give people that opportunity. Because you know as well as I do, often you have so many smart, eager people out there and often what you just need is that opportunity to prove yourself. Right, prove yourself beyond, say, taking an online MOOC yep. or, you know, running it out of a Jupyter notebook. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you know, a chance to fail. Um, Absolutely, yep. So how does Excella, um, for what you can say, deal with mentorship? What, how do they go about offering, say, you have a junior data scientist mm -hmm. who obviously is very talented but has a lot to learn in the field. What would Excella do for an entering junior um, analyst? Absolutely. I mean, there's a few ways that we handle this. On one side, we have a kind of formal, informal mentorship program for anyone throughout the firm to make sure that they have the skills and the resources that they need going forward. On our data science side in particular, um, we kind of take this two-prong. Um, myself and, and my, um, my colleague, Sean, um, we make a vested effort to make sure that people are getting the resources that they need and the training that we need. And, you know, that can take... Um, uh, take the form of sending them to particular training. Maybe it is doing, you know, giving them access to an online course. Maybe it's doing a boot camp. Um, it's, it, I think it takes a few different forms or, you know, um, just identifying people who, who want to learn a certain skill and sitting with them and, and working through that skill and developing that skill, right? And so, I mean, we're fortunate, right? We're not a huge data science group so we can offer that level of personalized attention to help grow people's skills in a, a, a variety of ways um, and you know we do some some broader things like uh, weekly round bag launches and whatnot but I think it's it's just kind of like you I think you're alluding to is finding getting that relationship between somebody who just has a, a again we're a young field a little more insight into where to go and what skills to work on so when you're developing a data scientist at Excella, um, what qualities are you trying to develop within that person? And I guess this gets at the bigger question is, how do you define a data scientist? Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting. Um, our data science group, we kind of, we don't even know how to call this right now, but we kind of have at least identified, you get two primary backgrounds in this field, and they're both equally as important. You get the folks who come with that strong mathematics and statistical background, wherever that's from, and you have the folks who come in with the strong software development engineering background who are looking to learn more about the mathematics. And they're complementary, right? We all know about that term, the unicorn data scientist. Well, you know, especially it's probably more effective to find people who have a certain specialty and background and make that T-shape, right? So know a little bit about everything, but where is that depth? And so we kind of have we don't have an exact one definition for data scientists but we've been thinking about how we can maybe um just kind of focus people in on what that deep skill set is if that is um mathematics if that is software engineering maybe you want to you know be more towards the machine learning engineer side it's just identifying that and harnessing people's innate skills and what they want mm -hmm. um within our whole data science sphere can you talk a little bit about your own team yeah, yeah, sure. I uh, still, I might, like anybody, I think I'm still trying to figure this one out. Um, I uh, so I came from 
kind of a traditional statistics background. Um, and that I think has been my, a lot of my skills from, from here. Um, a lot of my focus lately though, has been working on, um, kind of the engineering side of deep learning. So hence the, um, you know, the master's courses in software engineering, um, because I think that's, that's something, especially in, in this area, um, we need to have more abilities all around to take our data and our models and whatever our solutions are from raw, dirty, dirty data to completely deployed um, self-service, whatever our end goal is. And the more I can learn about that, the more I can help kind of drive the way our group is going and develop the skills that I think we need to be those holistic data scientists. When you're learning a new skill, so say something um, comes out that you have no idea of, and you know, I'm just going to completely make it up. So let's say somebody is implementing Megatron. Okay. And you've never even heard what Megatron is, and it's not a transformer, I can tell you. That. <laughs> yeah, it's the first thing that comes so, to mind, right? So what do you do when you hear that the newest and greatest thing for uh, AI or machine learning techniques is not, you know, it's not SVM, it's not neural networks, it's Megatron. How do you find out about Megatron? I mean, we are always, so I, I know myself and especially some of my colleagues try to consistently read papers on what the latest and greatest out there is. And um, I think that's important because, so you'll hear a lot of things, and this is just my opinion, of somebody has developed X product, X product, X product. Well, if it's proprietary or they're not telling us really what's behind it, it's really difficult for me to, to glean anything from that. But if it is something that's out there in the literature, we should be able to catch some of these things as they go forward. You know, some of these more innovative techniques that have come out, like um, Hinton's capsule networks for image recognition. Let's just start to think about these ideas. It doesn't mean we need to implement them because they're cutting, you know, cutting edge, but let's think about those things through keeping up with the research and what people are talking about. And some of this is, you know, just going to, to, to the academic conferences, to the business conferences, and just, you know, keeping a holistic idea of the marketplace. So talking about going to conferences brings me into my next line of question, questions. Um, how, do you, how do you remain networked in the data science field? What strategy, what tips do you go about? You know, is it a robust LinkedIn network? Mm -hmm. Is it conference-based? Is it all you know, hanging out with your work colleagues? Um, how, how do you maintain that network? Sure. I mean, I think you, you hit most of them on the head there. I think from a business standpoint, conferences are, are always important because you're going to meet people from different angles, from different places, in different business segments. And that's good um, from that aspect. Um, but, you know, here in the D.C. market, we, um, we host meetups. We, we just make sure that we regularly get out there. Um, I think LinkedIn nowadays is exceptionally, exceptionally important because not even from a recruiting standpoint, lots of data scientists are out there just looking for people to connect to. You know, let's talk about this. Let's share ideas. Um, that That has actually probably been one of the best ways to keep, keep abreast of what's going on. But I mean, all of this really is about sharing ideas, right? And I think uh, this is a field where people respect um, intellectual rigor and research and forward thinking, and we, we want to share ideas. And so I think that takes a, a variety of different angles. Right. I think you, through your LinkedIn network or whatnot, you can find, you know, who are the people who would rather stay in on a Friday night working on, say, an algorithm or mm. some machine learning package than hanging out with actual friends. Um, 
I'm not, I'm not saying that you and I don't have friends, but there's definitely been Friday nights when I'm like, oh, I just can't wait to get home to, you know, that my, my Jupyter notebook or, you know, something I'm working on right now. So, you know, that, that actually, it's interesting you say that. And um, so one of my, my colleagues at work, um, one of the smartest guys I've ever met, and we were out at a conference in San Francisco. And was this we the were, one a couple weeks ago? A couple weeks ago. About? Yep, okay. absolutely. A couple weeks ago. And we were, um, I think we were out getting drinks or something like this. Or I was showing him around San Francisco or, you know, something casual or whatnot. And he's just walking like every other thing would revert to um, some something he's trying to figure out from a mathematical perspective. And he just could not wait to get back and work on that. And that is that type of beautiful intellectual rigor and prowess that like it's just it's incredible you get that in this field you get that there are people willing to do that it is incredible right right i think we live in that hashtag nerd universe (laughs) at that point that's that is a a bolded strong hashtag at that yeah (laughs) so what do you consider essential in the data science toolkit um I mean, I know people are kind of going back and forth on this, but we, we all have to work more towards working in Python, whether we like it or not. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's 200 times faster than, than R. It can work end-to-end. We deploy those end-to-end data teams, and I can, or our teams can do everything soup to nuts in Python, and it makes it clean. And there's also ways, you know, like PyPy and different ways that we can make our Python faster. It just... It's, if we're going to bring innovation forward in a scalable way, we need to do it with something. I'm not saying the Python is the best language ever, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I think as far as the tools out there, it's essential. Okay, that's really good to know. And I'm going to try to hold my bias as closely as I can. <laughs> I might have to go out and delete that overwhelming yes. Um, I'm looking through require. I'm looking for how we can transition to that. Here we go. Okay, I got it. Um, we've talked about this before. If let's let's go back in time, and I'm going to give you you know maybe a hundred million dollars to create your own university, and this is going to be the Patrick Smith undergraduate degree in data science. You get to develop this thing from ground to ceiling. Um, what courses do you put in it? And like you can even design what the prerequisites are going to be. So what what is the <laughs> overview of the Patrick Smith? school of data science look like sure well i mean that's a big task order um (laughs) no i um so i always say this when we're looking for new candidates um you need a fundamental grounding in mathematics and statistics to really do a lot in this field um i think there um we all as a community need to work on being rigorous in what we do and pushing the field forward with everything that we do so if we're talking about you know university coursework, if we had to magically make this, how can we, um, how can we almost combine the um, the basics and some of the advanced courses of a mathematics degree, a statistics degree, and a computer science degree? Because that's really what we're doing, right? Um, I think the emphasis should always be on the mathematics and computer science, uh, or sorry, mathematics and statistics, uh, with the computer science bent. And then how can we learn from other fields like economics, um, traditional information sciences, um, you know, other types of related fields, physics, things of that nature. There's some great physics courses which can illuminate a lot of things about data science and especially artificial neural networks. 
put that all together, and I think you'd, you'd probably have a winning solution there. And it, it might have been someone else, or it might have been you and me talking a few weeks ago, but you alluded to an English grammar course being in there. That might have been you or someone else, but this individual, we'll call, it, we'll call him Megatron. <laughs> my, my boy Megatron was talking about how um, English grammar would be one of those courses in his Megatron University for Undergraduate Data Science because of the unstructured and text analytics side of it, namely natural language processing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I would, um, I would take that a step further and let's just say a thorough study of linguistics in general because you can think of, you know, take German. German, you string a lot of words together, right? And it's a, it's a different way of actually constructing your words. That and English have some fundamental underlying structure that are not dichotomous. Um, we can learn a lot from different languages. Um, so yeah, no, I, I totally agree that linguistics is, uh, is essential. You know, let's take that step further. Um, you meant, you know, mentioning that I'm thinking, uh, let's throw a, a course in, you know, uh, some business courses in communication and relating back to your, your clients and understanding, um, you know, for lack of a better word, just general business courses of how to be better business people. So we can show the um, the worth of what we're doing. Could one call it translating nerd? Yeah, let's let's call it that. I translating hear, learn one hundred and one. I, I hear that <laughs> is a great great title for something. Um, okay, that that's really cool. And so you know, when when this person gets the degree, they go work for Excel or something like. Oh that. Oh yeah, totally. Or maybe you might steal them over at uh, at your place, but. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's get into some of the uh, the, the more tricky questions. And I told you about this beforehand, and uh, I'm really curious to see what your response is going to be. So let's pretend you have an audience of liberal arts degrees. And being from a liberal arts degree myself, um, I'm going to judge the heck out of this for understanding. Explain something complicated to us as if we're non-technical background. So say, you know, freshman class at a liberal arts college. Sure, absolutely. Um... Well, I'll certainly try my best here. Um, let's take something like natural language processing, right? Um, but if you put it in context also, let's, let's put the research in context. This has been a huge thing for, um, for data scientists, artificial intelligence scientists, anybody focused on deep learning to work on. Um, and it's to do something so unbelievably simple to the human, right? We, you and I know through the way our brain works in cognition, how to speak, how to understand. It's something we learn that's inherent. It doesn't seem that complicated to speak, but to make a machine do that, to speak and understand and reason and really understand, we don't know why our brain, or maybe we do, a neuroscientist could probably correct me on this, but you know, our brain has some implicit understanding of the way these things work. But we need to work in, you know, in natural language processing, we need to work in making the machine do the same thing. We do that through math, right? And so if you think back to a lot of your, you know, algebra classes, it's a lot of um, linear algebra, right? We're representing things as vectors and matrices and tensors and kind of that fundamental way of, it's numbers, right? It's numbers. And um, you can look at those numbers as some implicit underlying manner in which our language works 
and we process that language through another mechanism in our brain and that would be you know where artificial neural networks come in but i think that's another subject on its own but um we in, in the modern kind of ai field look at how to to represent that natural language in in just basic numbers and in those in that way that we can bring things together so if we're looking i mean you you're familiar with things like uh uh, word to vacuum glove and the, those word embedding schemes. Um, you're taking language and just saying in in a in a space that um, you know cat and dog are going to be somewhat similar together, but uh, you know in the same region because they're they're both animals, they're both common pets, uh, but they're they're slightly separate. And you might expect to see um, dog and canine pretty close because they're essentially synonym for the same thing. We are trying to figure out how to, to, to represent those things, how to really understand how we do things in, in a day-to-day -day basis um, as humans, um, but, but replicating the machine. I know it's, it's probably not answering what, what you're looking for, and I'm going in a super general sense. but So I can see where you're going with this, especially talking about how our brain understands language. So say... You know, you're, you're, you're a child and you're trying to understand something for the first time. You're trying to associate words with each other. But also, when you talk about the mathematic mm -hmm. underpinnings for a child under the hood, it's your synapses connecting. Yep. I mean, down to the neurological. And you, you talked about this, you know, neuroscientists are now in high demand because of exactly what you're talking about. Right. And so I, I assume you're alluding to neural networks. And yes, yes, exactly. Are, yep. I, I knew the uh, the double N was going to be dropped, <laughs> dropped somewhere. In. It wouldn't be a data science podcast without dropping a couple of bubbles. Let's talk about artificial neural networks. Yeah, just don't say blockchain, please. Uh, yeah. All right. So, Patrick, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, um, what's the best way? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm usually will always respond to messages. Um, if anybody wants, you know, has any questions, any questions about uh, our company, Excella, um, I'm just patrick.smith at excella.com. Please always feel uh, free to reach out to me. Um, and uh, that's probably the easiest way. All right. And I'm going to pepper you after this with, uh, we'll get a bio. We'll get a couple of uh, Patrick's favorite data-related reads, uh, maybe some blogs you follow, and then we'll put all your um, your contact information there. All right. Sounds good. All right, Patrick. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will chat. We will chat soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much.